0: Good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? All right, Pompano. It's always good to be in the house here. Well, uh, we're beginning a brand new series today called The Tipping Point, and I'm pretty pumped about this series. I'm excited to see what God does. In fact, uh, we are actually supposed to be doing a different series of messages right now. And anybody ever have one of those moments in life where you have a, a, a... a plan for what it's going to be, like this is what you want to do and where you want to go and what you want to see happen. But sometimes God has a different path for that and, uh, and so that was kind of one of these things over the last two or three weeks. I've just been like, man, like I want to do this, but like I feel like God is leading me over here. And so we're, we're doing something completely different than what we had planned for the year. We like to plan. We like to have that stuff in order. But uh, so we kind of change it up. And I believe that today uh, can absolutely transform your life if you allow it to. It's going to be something that is going to challenge you. In some ways, because this is what I know uh, is that most of us would like to have God's favor in our life. Wouldn't wouldn't most of us say like, man, I'd like to have a little bit more of God's favor in my life. I'd like for Him to be a little bit more present, Him a little bit more powerful, Him a little bit more active in my life. I think all of us would say that. So, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to weeks we're going to talk about some things that I believe are really going to challenge us, but also if we apply the principles, will transform our lives. And so, I just want to start out today today and by asking this question how many of you guys would like to experience financial freedom raise your hands if you want to experience some financial freedom in life okay the majority of hands there's a couple of hands that they don't want to experience it that's fine be broke it's cool um, you know that's that's your prerogative it's my prerogative dun, dun, dun. Bobby, Bobby Brown back in the day anyways uh most of us would like to experience uh, financial freedom but Let's kind of define that because I think a lot of our definitions of financial freedom would be different. And so if we're to define financial freedom, some people would say, like, teacher, hey, listen, I know what financial freedom is. Financial freedom is being debt free. Like, I want to be debt free. If I was debt free, I would be in financial freedom. Take the Dave Ramsey model, you know, take my debts. Put money to them snowball that move it to the next debt, to the next debt, till eventually We're completely financially free. We just have a whole bunch of cash in envelopes. That would be amazing And uh, for those of you that have done financial peace, you know exactly what i'm talking about For those of you haven't you should check it out. Uh, but financial freedom you say man If I was debt free, that would be financial freedom The only problem with that is is that i've met a lot of people That are debt free that are still miserable And so while they they might be free in that area, it hasn't necessarily given them the freedom that they thought that they would experience in their finances. So maybe some other people go, you know what, I know what financial freedom is. Financial freedom would be having a whole bunch of money in the bank. Like if I just had a rainy day front that was loaded, if I just had uh, just a ton of cash stocked away, just ready at any point in time, that would be financial freedom. The only problem with that is that as a pastor, I've met a lot of people that are extremely wealthy, that have more money in the bank than they could ever spend. And what I've discovered is that more money doesn't mean less worry. It's actually the opposite. More money, a lot of times you're worrying more about your money. You know, Notorious B.I.G., the great theologian, mo' money, mo' problems, you know? (laughs) Like he had something there. And so, more money isn't necessarily going to, to give you that financial freedom that you're looking for. Some of you are like, well, TJ, I, I know what it is. You know what would give me financial freedom? Winning the lottery would give me financial freedom. There is power in the Powerball, baby. You know, like, like it is on like Donkey Kong that I would be financially free. The only problem is, is if you go watch some of the stories of the people that won the lottery, five years later, most of them are destitute and broke worse off than they were before. So winning the lottery isn't necessarily going to bring us that financial freedom. And see, I would define financial freedom as two things. And if you're taking notes, here, here are some things that I would define it as. Uh, number one is God's provision. Financial freedom would be God's provision happening in my life. And let me define what that means. Uh, God's provision would be God meeting Uh, The needs that I have in my life, and and somebody will say, well, well, what are those needs? Um, You know, needs and wants are totally different things. Uh, You know, uh, let me kind of define this. You might need a car right now, and and that is a genuine need. You need to get to work. You need to be able to transport your kids, but you want a Ferrari. (laughs) So a Yugo will meet the need, but your desire is for a Ferrari. There's a big difference. God will give you a Yugo. But a lot of us were striving for the Ferrari it says, I'll meet your needs. And so we need to understand the difference of that. So it says God's provision. The second aspect of that is God's protection. God says, man, I will protect you. And let me define that. It's, it, what that means is that when, when you're trusting him, that he'll take responsibility for consequences. And that, that's, that's a good word for some of us, because some of us need, like, we're taking responsibility for our consequences on our own, and we're paying a steep price. I would rather have God take the consequences for me and take those on himself. But here's what I know, is that even though all of us in here, we come from different backgrounds, we come from different family structures, different ethnicities, different financial levels, I would say that probably all of us would go, you know what, I, I would like to have financial freedom when it comes to God's provision and God's protection in my life. Like, I would like to experience the fullness of that, and, and, and most of us, I think, would admit that God can do a lot more with our finances than we can. Is that, is that true? Like, most of us believe that God could do more with our finances than we can because we're limited in what we can do. I don't know if you've realized this, but you're limited in your life. I know some of you guys think you're unstoppable. You're all that in a bag of chips and guacamole did, but you're not. Okay, you're limited. Like, you can only be in one place at one time. You can't be sitting here in this theater right now and be out in the foyer as well at the same time. Like, and if you think you can, we have some counseling for you. But you're limited. You're limited to being where you are in that moment and what you can accomplish in that moment. That's your limitation. On the flip side of that, God is unlimited. He can be here and he can be there at the same time. He is not limited by time and space. He can be fully in yesterday, fully in today, and fully in tomorrow because our God is unlimited. And I would rather have God involved in my financial situation than just limiting it to myself. And if we want to know what tips the scale to financial freedom, if we want to know what tips the scale to God's provision and protection, we, we've got to understand what carries the most weight with God. And so the question is, what does carry the most weight with God? A lot of us would think, um, you know, what, what we think would carry the most weight is we think what would carry the most weight is, 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 is money, right? Like, what carries the most weight is money. If We think that, man, if I just had more money, how many of us, and I think this way a lot of times too, how many of us think, man, if I just had more money, life would be way different? Yeah, like the majority of us, if you don't think it would be different, you're crazy as well. Uh, We have counseling for that too. Uh, But uh, like more money, we think, man, if I just had more money, more money, my marriage would be better if I just had more money. Because when I got home at night, I wouldn't be thinking about the email that's coming through. I wouldn't be thinking about the phone calls that I need to make. I would just be able to come home and sit down on the couch next to my wife and watch HGTV. And and when Fixer Upper came on and my wife's like, oh, man, I love what Joanna's doing with this house. Like, what do you think about that accent color right there? And do you think that that shiplap that they did over in that room would look good on this room in our house? You won't be thinking about business. You'll be like, you know what, babe? I think shiplap would look incredible in here. Because you wouldn't be worrying about money. You'd be focused on your marriage. You just think, man, more money would fix my marriage. Some of you guys think, man, if I just had more money, I'll, I would just have a better relationship with my kids. Like, my, my relationship with my kids would be incredible. Like, I wouldn't be thinking about work. I would come home, and I would help them with their homework. And then we would sit down, and we would we talk. We'd have great conversations. Then we'd go play Xbox for, like, seven hours playing Minecraft. And, and like, we would just have this connection. If, if I just had more money, we would just have that. Or you think, man, if I just had more money, I, I, I could do so much more for God. Man, I, man this church, I love this church. I would, I would help this church out, and, and I see all kinds of needs in our community, and I'd love to be able to just walk up and hand them stuff and just meet those needs, and I would just do so much more for God if I just had more money. And it makes sense. If, if we just had more money, like it would change things. But more money does not carry the most weight with God. More money doesn't carry the most weight with God. So what does carry the most weight with God? First Kings chapter 17. We're going to be looking there today. This is what it says. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of water? Let me just stop right here because let me give you some context of what's happening. Israel is in a recession right now. This is going to be a three and a half year recession. They're about six months into it. And so this is just the beginning of of a long, arduous process. And we understand, like we just went through a recession a couple years ago. Like, let me just tell you, that wasn't the first recession that we just experienced. Recessions have been happening all throughout time. We see it right here. Continuing on verse 11 And as she was going to get it he called her and said bring me a bite of bread too But she said I swear by the lord your god I don't have a single piece of bread in the house And I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal Then my son and I will die Now let me just ask you a question When God sent Elijah to this widow, do you think he knew that she only had a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour left in her jars? No doubt. God totally knew that. Do you think he really got her situation? Yeah, man, I think he really got her situation. And, and see, there is a principle in here that we need to understand as individuals, just like this woman needed to understand as well. And that's this, if you're taking notes. God knows exactly where you are financially. He knows exactly where you are Financially, God knows exactly what you're facing right now, right in this moment. He knew, knows what kept you up last night for four hours while you are pondering and thinking and, and dwelling on it. He knows. He knows about the pending divorce that's going on right now. And you're wondering, man, we're about to split up everything that we have. How am I going to make it? He knows what you're going through. He knows for somebody in here that just lost their job on Friday, that had no idea that their job was going to be lost on Friday. He knows about your situation. He knows. He knows for those of us that thought, man, I would be here in my economic future at this age, but we're really here, and we go, man, we had big goals, but we're way short of them. God knows your situation. And it's by no accident that you're here today because God knows every single detail of what's going on in your financial life. Let's continue to read on. Verse 13. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make me a little bread first. Now, everybody say first. Okay, that wasn't everybody. Everybody say first. First. There you go. That's better. So he says, make me the bread first. It's an interesting principle right here. He says, God is saying, I want you to give to me first. And this is an interesting picture because this is really a picture of God and us in a relationship. Elijah is a depiction of God. And and, and he's basically saying, like, will you trust me? Will you trust me with the first? Will you do that? He says, listen, I know you only have a little bit of flour. I know you only have a little bit of oil. But will you make me a pancake first. He says, the widow, make me one first. And I'm sure this widow was like, listen, uh, Elijah, I, I know we just met and, uh, you know, I don't want to be rude or disrespectful because you are a prophet like you, like you could do some crazy stuff. But uh, let me just explain my situation to you. Uh, I only have a little bit of flour and I only have a little bit of oil. And, and let me give you the plan for that little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I have a son. I'm going to cook that up and make a pancake. And then I'm going to split that pancake in half, and I'm going to give some to my son, and I'm going to eat some, and then we're going to sit here, and we're going to starve, and we're going to die. You got that? He goes, man, I, I totally get it, but here's the deal. I want you to make me a pancake first. And she's like, well, hold on. okay, Elijah, let me explain myself here, okay? Because I know you're a man, and men aren't very good at listening, so let me just kind of fill you in on what's up in this moment. I'm going to bake one pancake. One, not two, not five, one, Elijah. Can you count, okay? And then I'm going to take that pancake. I'm going to split that joker in half. My son's going to eat part of it. I'm going to eat part of it. Then we're going to die. End of story. Game over. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. We're done. Over finito. He goes, I get it. I get it. But make me a pancake first. Here's what we need to understand. Wherever we put God first in our life, we invite him into that situation. Wherever we put him first, we invite him into that situation. And so if you're married and you invite God into your marriage and say, God, I'm going to put you first in my marriage, all of a sudden God... Shows up in your marriage. You have kids and you say, Man, God, I'm gonna put you first in my relationship with my kids and I'm gonna point them to you. I'm gonna teach them your decrees and your ways. I'm gonna grow them up to be honorable men and women of God. Man, all of a sudden, God shows up in your kids' life and their relationship. Maybe you own a business out there and you say, You know what? God, I'm gonna put you first in my business. I'm gonna live with integrity. I'm gonna be a light to a dark world and I'm gonna show everybody who's first and foremost in my life. God shows up in your business because wherever you guys put God first, he always intervenes in that situation. So how does that look? Continuing on, it says, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. And I'm sure she's like, uh, what's left? Seriously, you're smoking crack, okay. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your container until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. And I'm sure she's like, Elijah, you don't understand. I'm going to use all the oil and all the flour and then there's going to be nothing left. He says, make me the pancake first. And this is what God will do. He'll make sure that there's always oil in your jar and flower in your pot until the rain comes and the crops grow again. See, every time I get paid, every time you get paid, how many of you guys get get paid once a week? Raise your hands, raise your hands once a week. How many of you guys get paid two times a month? Raise your hands, raise your hands. How many of you guys get paid once a month? How many once a year? Once a year. How, how many people just want to get paid? Like, cut me a check, bro. Like, I just want a check. Yeah, there's there, that's, that's the group I've been. Uh, like, okay. Every time I get paid and every time you get paid, we are just like that widow looking in Elijah's eyes. And we have the opportunity to say, God, I'm going to trust you first, or I'm going to make a pancake for myself. It's a test. And see, when I get paid, I have the opportunity to tell somebody thank you. Thank you for providing this. Every time I get my paycheck, I don't have a paycheck, so I have a connection card. Uh, Every time I get paid, I have the opportunity to tell somebody thank you. And so this is what thank you looks like for most of us. Thank you, mortgage company. Thank you so much for giving me a mortgage so I can live in my house. Thank you so much, Bank of America, Bank of the United States of America, for giving me this opportunity to make a payment to you. Thank you, FPL, for supplying power to my house this month. Thank you for air conditioning. Come on, somebody, get a thank you right there. like, like that. Thank you. Thank you for air conditioning. You know where Thank you for doing that. Thank you, utility company, for giving me running water. Thank you so much. Thank you, youth sports. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for giving my kids an opportunity to play sports and let me act like a maniac on Saturday and Sunday. Thank you, Sawgrass Mills Mall, for having indoor and outdoor shopping. Thank you, Sawgrass Mills Mall, for your doors always being open to me. Thank you. I feel so accepted. Who do you thank? Nothing wrong with any of those things. Like all those things, those are, those are all good things. But here's the problem with all those things. None of those has the power to bless your finances. Not a single one of them. See, every time I get paid and, and, and every time you get paid, we have the opportunity to thank the one who gave us everything that we have. We get the opportunity to say thank you to the one who gave us all the gifts, the talents, the abilities to accomplish all that. It doesn't matter whether we have $500 or $500 million. Now, I know that some of y'all are going to push back and be like, whoa, 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 TJ, I I don't agree with that. See, you don't understand. My parents didn't do jack squat for me growing up. In fact, when I went to college, I worked three jobs to get my degree. While other people were out playing, I was inside studying. And when I got out of college, man, I was grinding it out to make my student debt loan payments, and I paid that junk off, and then I started my own business, blood, sweat, and tears. That was all me, and now it's successful. God didn't do that for me. I did that that for me that's mine. okay well let me let me just ask you a question who gave you the ability to work god did who gave you that brilliant mind to compute and add and subtract and multiply and figure things out who who did that for you god did Who this morning woke you up and and allowed this amazing air to flow through your lungs so that you would breathe in and breathe out? Did you do that? No. God did that. So, in essence, everything that you are really God is. So, let's just compute that for your brilliant mind. It's all His. And so what God says is, he says, hey, listen, that pile of cash that's there, what you do is you return that first 10% to me. So that means if you make $2,000, you give me $200. And you don't, you don't take that to the United Way or you don't take that to Habitat for Humanity or you don't give that to some missions organization that's feeding orphans in Africa. Why, all those things are good and we encourage you to do all those things. He says, no, 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 you return that to me and you return that to me through my house and the thing that I'm building, which is my local church. When you do that, when you return that to me, what happens is, is all of a sudden it tips the scale. And see, some of us need to realize what tips the scale for us and our lives towards this financial freedom is when we trust God first. And I know some of you guys are looking at that and going, whoa, 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 whoa. TJ, I'm smart, okay? The big stack always outweighs the small stack. Like, I've got an accounting degree from FAU, and we're pretty good at accounting. Like, we're top five in the country at accounting. And I've been taught all of my life that more money always is bigger than less money. Like, my parents taught me that. School taught me that. Economics taught me that. But, see, that's the world's economy. See, we operate under a different economy, and God's economy says that, man, the small stack outweighs the big stack when you put him first. Now, I know somebody out there is saying, listen, TJ, these people might be small-minded believers, and they just, they just buy in hook, line, and sinker, and I know you probably rigged that somehow to do that, and that's pretty cool. I'm going to figure that out afterwards, but like on paper, that just doesn't make sense. Let me tell you something. If it has to make sense on paper, you will always stay in infancy in your faith. If God has got to make sense on paper, you will always be on the lower rung of faith. And that's why a lot of people never grow. They're a Christ follower for 35 years and they're still a baby. So I didn't mean to scare the baby. <laughs> because they've never trusted God beyond what could be logical for them. What would make sense on paper? Listen, in my 19 years of following Jesus, uh, like none of the major life decisions I've made ever made sense on paper. From getting married at 21, that never makes sense on paper the fact that Shayla would like me never made sense on paper I mean I like that <laughs> to starting a church at at 30 years old never made sense on paper listen if you're waiting for it to make sense on paper you'll be waiting for the rest of your life and you'll be missing out on some of the greatest God moments that he wants to take you through. And see, God knows what you're facing financially and he knows what tips the scale. And I don't think that there's a single person in here that goes, you know what? I don't wanna have God's provision and protection in my life. Like, I don't think there's a single one of us that's going, you know what I want for my life? I just want my life to be a train wreck, TJ. Like, I just wanna go and I wanna crash and burn it in every aspect. I I wanna grow old and I wanna have lots of money and I wanna be considered a stingy, greedy old man. Like nobody, nobody's dream is that. But yet, a lot of us miss it. And the way that you receive God's provision and His protection is by bringing God the first. And so that means, you know what? If you make a, a, a thousand dollars a week, that means you know what you do. You you take a hundred and you bring it to God. If you make a uh, $5,000 a month, what that means is you take $500 and you bring that first to God. If you make a million dollars a year, what that means is you give God $100,000 and you live on $900,000 and you bring that to God first. And giving to God first is what tips the scale. And see, I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're thinking, man, I, I, I do. DJ, listen, I love Jesus. I, I'm not a greedy person at all. Uh, there's not a greedy bone in my body. Uh, in fact, I, I love this church. I, I love what's happening here. The worship is is absolutely off the chain. It's great. The kids ministry, man, they love my kids. My kids are growing so much. The pastor, he's a little whacked out, but we put up with him. Um, and, and so, and so, like, man, I, I give to God. And so, you'll you'll take a twenty out and you'll and you'll you'll throw it in the plate because like you're not greedy. Like you're like I give to God. And so when that goes by, you're like, man, I I, I I do something for God. And what you're doing is you're tipping God. But you know what? The tip never tips the scale. And I love you. You're my church family. And I don't know how else to say I'm, I'm trying to say this in the nicest, sweetest way. Uh, but I don't no, how else to say it? Like a lot of us, we're tipping God, and you're going to go to Outback later this week with your family, and you're going to give the server at Outback the same thing you're going to give the Creator of the universe. I know some of you guys are like, "Well, TJ, I, I'm, I'm better than that, man. I, I'm man, I'll take a hundred out. I, I'm, I'm gonna throw God a hundred. I'm a little bit, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm taking it up a notch, like, and that a hundred, that's a lot of money." But the problem is, is that you make a million dollars a year. You're tipping God. Thought it might be a little quiet in here. I know some of you are thinking, man, he just just wants something from me. No, honestly, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. See, I've experienced God's provision and God's protection, and I know what you're missing in your life right now. And I want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to experience that in your life because God knows what you're facing and he knows what tips the scale. But he also knows, if you're taking notes, number three, he knows what you're going to face in the future. He knows what you're going to face in the future. Look at verse 15. It says this. So she did as Elijah said, and she said to Elijah and her family, and they continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse, and he finally died. And let me just stop right there. Just because you bring the first to God doesn't mean that some bad things aren't going to happen periodically. It doesn't mean that you're not going to you know uh, experience some loss. It doesn't mean that you're not going to experience uh, uh, some business trials. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have the son die periodically, it means that in the midst of those hardships that God will still provide and he will still protect. It says, then she said to Elijah, oh man of God, what have you done to me? She does the same thing that all of us do, that I would do. God, what's up? Like, why? What? How is this? Like, I don't get it. And he goes on to say, have you come here to point out all of my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, and the Lord our God, and said, "'Why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die?' And he stretched himself out over the child. What that means is that he put his cheek to that child's cheek. He put his chest to that child's chest. He put his arms to that child's arms. He put his legs to that child's legs. He stretched himself out over that child. And it says, and three, three days, three times, the, and the Lord cried out, and the Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Basically, God brought that boy back to life he brought him back to life and see there's going to be a time in your life If that hasn't happened yet it will at some point there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to need God to stretch himself out over you there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to need God to breathe life into something that is dead Now let me just ask you a question. Do you think that God knew that her boy was going to die when he sent Elijah to her originally? Yeah. There's there's something here that a lot of us miss. And it's critical that we get it because it's so important. The reviving of the sun was tied directly to the making of the pancake. You need to hear that. The reviving of the sun was tied directly to the making of the pancake. Listen, if she went to make the pancake and said, Listen, I'm going to trust you, God, I think that this story would have looked completely different. She would have missed out on God's provision and God's protection. In her life, I can't even convey to you the amount of times that I've seen God stretch himself out personally in our lives. I mean, I can go back to when we were 22, $25,000 in debt, God stretched himself out, just did incredible things. I'd love to tell that story. But I remember about six months into Coastal when we were just our Coconut Creek campus. I think we had like 65 people at church that Sunday, and uh, it was a terrible Sunday. And uh, we were a fledgling church plant that was that was just about done. I mean, we were broke. When I say broke, we were broke. But I remember rent was due. You ever had those days where rent's due, and you look at your bank account, and you're like, rent ain't there. It's not a good day, and uh, I remember that Sunday, God saying, hey, your offering this weekend, whatever that is, I want, you, I want you to give that away. I'm like, God, we got rent. He's like, not only do I want you to give that away, I want you to give it away to another church, and I was like, oh, heck no, God. <laughs> you did not realize we're a church, we're about to be whoop, gone, and uh, it's like, not only do I want you to give it away to a church, but I want you to give it away to a church that's thriving and building buildings and reaching lots of people. And I, like, there's a lot of jealousy in pastors. I'm, I'm, we're, we're fickle, fickle individuals. And uh, I remember he's like, man, I want, you to, I want you to give everything to Church by the Glades. And uh, I remember that Sunday writing a check for everything that was in our checking account to Church by the Glades and putting it in an envelope, putting a stamp on it, and putting it in the mailbox. You know, at, at, at our apartment where we live, so I couldn't get it back out. Like, once it's in, you're like, <laughs> God, no, no one let me in. I remember I, I was just depressed. Like, I needed some reviving. I'll never forget going to our P.O. box the next day and going and pulling our mail out, and there was a piece of mail from this lady named Julie who I hadn't talked to in in almost a year. She was from our old church back in Bradenton. She wrote this incredible note just encouraging Shayla and I and what God had wanted to do in our church and just said she was thinking about us and that God had put us on her heart. She said there's something inside the envelope as well And, and I looked inside the envelope and there was a check. $5,000 that pretty much saved our church's life. And it was in that moment that God stretched out his arms and his hands and his feet and breathed life into that thing. So you're sitting here today because of some obedience. saying, God, I'm going to put you first even when it doesn't make any sense. Now, I'm not saying you're going to give to God and you're going to get a check for $5,000. That's the anomaly story What I am saying is is when you put God first, you tip the scale of his provision and his protection in your life because he knows exactly where you are. He knows what you're facing today and he knows what you're going to face in the future. And honestly, I'm going to kind of throw the gauntlet down today and I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to put God first in your life when it comes to your finances. Say, God, you know what? I, I want your provision. I want your protection. I want your blessing on my life. Well, listen, God can't enact something that you don't you don't authorize him to do. And how you enact that in your life is by putting him first. And so, man, I would challenge you. I'd, I'd say go try it for 90 days. And if it doesn't work, then you can just toss the entire Bible out because it's the one thing he says we can test him in. Malachi chapter 3 he says, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven. Some of you guys, you need to take that challenge. See, but this isn't just a financial thing. See, the tithe is really important, see, because that he gave his one first only son. See, tithing is also a principle that that changes everything because God tithed his son. His name was Jesus, to die on the cross for you and I. And a lot of us, we think what tips the scale is if I do more and more and more and more good work, then that will get me to heaven. That won't get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is trusting what Jesus did on the cross gets you there. And maybe today you need to start trusting God. Maybe you need to start trusting Him for salvation through His tithe, Jesus. Maybe you need to step out and start trusting Him.